Oh, Father, you are the one who has always been. That is just mind-blowing in and of itself. You are the ancient of days. Who could even attempt to bring definition to your name? But I love the invitation to try. Father, we love being yours. We love being brought into you. To know you. To be loved by you. Surrounded by you. There's no greater feeling. There's no greater love. And within you is perfection. And everything else has to bow. Together we just thank you. We thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to try and ascribe worth. It's an honor, an honor to attempt to bring worth to your holiness. We love you. Amen. We're going to do offering at the end. So, in case you're wondering, we're waiting. We're waiting. Wasn't that sweet worship? Oh, my gosh. I just, I love singing about how big he is. Right? I mean, it's like, what are these words coming out of my mouth? I don't even understand them. I, the first song, what's the first song? The, is that the one about the Lord of Hosts? Is that the, a difference? Anyway, the one about the Lord of Hosts, I'm going, what are we even singing right now? Right? Like, here he is, the Lord of Hosts. Do we even understand? I was actually waiting for Jeff to break in with some narration. <laughs> because we need to see, right? We need to see what it is that it means for him to be the Lord of Hosts, do you have anything? I'm putting you on the spot. I tend to do totally this to you. Putting him on the spot. I do this to him all the time, except for that one time we took you to Topeka and you had plenty of notice. <laughs> Just that once. Just that once. Just that one time. If you if you have anything, just let us know because we would love to. Wouldn't you? Don't you like knowing what's going on? Yes. Do you? Yes. He, he's got the seer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, here he comes. There it is. <laughs> if I talk long enough. We were praying, and, and I just saw the cloud of witnesses in here. And um, it's kind of amazing that, that God would allow us to worship with those that have gone before us. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I saw each one of you standing, and there's an angel standing with hands on shoulders on each one of you. And um, that's 
That's just what I saw. That's good. That's good. Hey, um, I brought <laughs> show and tell. Lisa, Lisa hooked me up before she left for Connecticut. And, you know, we've talked a lot about myrrh. And she wasn't sure which one to pick. So she, I got two deliveries on two different days of two different bottles of myrrh. And they smell very similar. One is stronger. This is definitely the stronger of the two. But I just, can we just play show and tell and pass it around? And you can smell it. You can put it on. I don't care. I don't care about that. It's really sweet, like surprisingly mm-hmm. sweet smelling. Yeah. And and while you're while you're smelling it, I just want you to be reminded that this is what Jesus would have smelt like when they put him in the grave, right? This is what he would have smelt like when he was resurrected into new life, right? <gasps> Turns out it's what we actually smelled like when we were raised up with him, right? Mm. That's what I think when I, uh, you guys, I put this in, I put this in our diffuser (laughs) and and the boys are like, it smells like old people down here, but I don't care. (laughs) I I like it because it's, it's just, it's reminds me to remember you know what I'm saying? Like, we need to be reminded to remember. Mm-hmm. Myrrh has nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning, but um, what we're talking about is even older than that. Zion, the city of our God. Turns out we know nothing. You know? This is such a, a broad topic that it was hard for us to, like, decide where on earth do we go? And it's all Robin's fault, in case you wanted to know. We weren't even going to do this teaching. We were going to just jump in and then decided, okay, maybe we should. (laughs) Maybe we should attempt to teach on Zion. Very difficult. Yes. No, don't apologize, because it was really good. It was Mm -hmm. also really good to just kind of dig in. So here is what I will tell you is we don't really know what we're talking about. We can just point to things, okay? Like, take some of this stuff, allow it to create some wonder in you and some, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking at? Curiosity to be able to go back and do some research on your own because it turns out it's a fascinating topic. And yeah. you, can, you can just plug in Zion in um, your Bible app. And it will flood you with different spots that the word Zion pops up. And here's the tricky part. It doesn't mean the same thing in any two spots. <laughs> I tell you, there is absolutely an invitation here to dig into this deeper. And so that's, that's what you're being presented with today is an invitation. Yeah. And it was fun. It was. It was fun. I don't feel a whole lot smarter, but... It was fun to at least... No, we're definitely filled with more questions. And that was the problem we kept running into is it doesn't do you guys any good to just present you with hundreds of questions without anything to go off of. And so that was that was a real challenge uh, to be able to say, um, we've got to do better than just ask questions up here because we've got 
probably a hundred questions. Right. So this is just a, a deep research project. Yeah. Yeah. Do you love research? Sometimes, Sometimes I, holy moly, I can't stop once I've started. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an addiction, I think. I was very thankful in the middle of worship, I will tell you this, because I was thinking about how much research I actually sat and did on this. And I was like, God, it is such an honor that you have called me into being a researcher of the kingdom of God and mm-hmm. not like the researcher of law. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I was so overcome with thankfulness in the middle of worship that I get to research the kingdom of God and not legality. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think I would have been good at that too. <laughs> All right. We don't even know where we're starting, so we're just going to start. Should we start with Daniel? Yes. Okay. Are we just going in order here? You guys seriously, like, Somewhat. don't expect any kind of professional nothing out of this because... This is more just fascinating than anything. How many of you have ever sang a song about Zion? There's lots of them. (laughs) There's lots of them. It's actually how we got started on the topic in the first place, because Robin goes, isn't Zion about deliverance? (laughs) And we're like, oh, maybe. Hadn't considered that, but (laughs) possibly. So in Daniel 2, uh, verses 33 and 34... Let me get there. Oh, we got to back up. Mm-hmm. I do this all the time. 31, you, O king, were watching, and there was a single great image. Remember this story about Daniel? Maybe you don't, so I won't, I won't pretend like you do. Daniel, here's the deal. The king had a dream. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream, and his own people could not interpret it for him. So he decided, I'm killing all of the prophetic people in the land. Because they don't deserve to live if they can't interpret my dream. Not only that, he Harsh. didn't want them to just interpret it. He wanted them to oh, tell no. them, tell him the dream. He wasn't, he wouldn't even tell them the dream. He wanted to make sure that they didn't just make something up and lie to him. Right. That's intense. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Could you do that? I couldn't either. Um, well, maybe I could. Um, yeah, so- you probably can't. I I could could try. Anyway, so Daniel's like, listen, here's the deal. Like, don't kill us. If I can come and tell you what your dream was and give you the interpretation, will you let us live? And sure, give it a go. And he does. He tells him his dream. He tells him exactly what it was that he dreamt. And then he gave him the interpretation of it. And let me just read it to you. Can I start in 31 or do I need to back up even more? that's good. Okay. You, O king, were watching and there was a single great image. This image, large and its brightness surpassing, stood opposite you and its appearance was frightful. Concerning this image, its head was of fine gold, its breasts and its arms of silver, its abdomen and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You were watching until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the image at its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at once, and they became like shaft from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth." 
This is the dream. Now, listen, I, I want to read Matthew Henry's commentary on this because it's just so good. Because, you know, you've got a dream and interpretation, but sometimes you need an interpretation of the interpretation. Mm-hmm. The stone cut out without hands represented the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand the stone that was cut out without hands became a great mountain. We're not talking about a pebble here. We're not talking about a stepping stone. We're talking about a mountain that was cut out without hands. Yes. Which should be set up in the world in the time of the Roman Empire and upon the ruins of Satan's kingdom in the kingdom kingdoms of the world. This is the stone cut out of the mountain without hands, for it should neither it should be neither raised nor supported by human power or policy, no visible hand should act in the setting of it up, but it should be done invisibly by the spirit of the Lord of hosts. This was the stone which the builders refused because it was not cut out by their hands, but it has now become the headstone of the corner. The gospel church is a kingdom which Christ is the sole and sovereign monarch of, in which he rules by his word and spirit, to which he gives protection and law, and from which he receives homage and tribute. It is a kingdom not of this world, and yet set up in it. It is the kingdom of God among men. The God of heaven was to set up this kingdom to give authority to Christ to execute judgment, to set him as king upon his holy hill of Zion, and to bring into it obedience to him, a willing people. Being set up by the God of heaven, it is often in the New Testament called the kingdom of heaven, for its original is from above and its tendency is upwards. Isn't that awesome? I love it that he breaks down in there that that the stone was rejected because it wasn't carved out by human hands. What? And we're talking about the ancient of days here. We're talking about the mountain that already existed, right? We're talking about Jesus who was with God, right? I mean, this is so fascinating for my mind to to see how this all plays out. And, And this stone that was cut out without hands crushes every lesser thing. Yeah. His government. All right, where do you want to go from here? I'm getting excited. I, I just, I, I, this, this, where he says the God of heaven was to set up this kingdom to give authority to Christ, to execute judgment, to set him as king upon his holy hill of Zion, and to bring into obedience to him a willing people. Mm. Bringing into obedience him a willing people. This is, this is exciting to me because we get to partner in, in so much. And, and like Andrew was talking about at the beginning, this, this is really an invitation to go deep here with him and bringing into obedience to him a willing people. Willingness is, is part of, of what you have to offer, right? You've been given free will in this life, so being willing to come into obedience of Christ is, is a special thing. You have a choice. You get to choose. And so 
um, just reading that right there and, and thinking about uh, the city of God, Zion, and and having zeal for his house, which has been a topic for us for quite some time. This is something we willingly get to enter into. We willingly get to partner with. So I don't know where we're going next, but... Well, and it's interesting because what we spent probably the most time discussing this week is how on earth did we get here? You know, Mm -hmm. like this, we we are 2,000 years post-cross, 2,000 years into a new covenant, and how on earth did we get here? You know, it's it's mind-boggling. Like we, we couldn't really pivot from that going like, Ah, like you could just feel kind of the pain and the heaviness of that. Like as a church, as Christianity, as Christ followers, how did we get here? We we do not resemble the house of the Lord. Are we trying to? Yes. But I'm just looking at like, I think we look more like the Pharisees <laughs> than, than we do the house of God, mm-hmm. you know, we are, we are charging for prophecies. We are teachers for hire. And these are things that the Bible in the old Testament warn against. Yeah. And we're doing it today. This is the very reason Jesus went into the temple with a whip in his hands. Well, we don't. <laughs> It happens. We don't do that. I can but it feel happens. you're scheming from here. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> it's oh, what was I going to say? Um, no, you're good. No, no, it'll come back. Um. Let's just, this is so hard, you guys. It's so hard to know where to go. It's not going to flow at all. Um, in First Peter 2, 6, it says, for, it's, uh, for it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. And I think that this is really big for us. We need to take Scripture and make it more of a reality for us in life because they will never be put to shame. How many of you have ever experienced shame? Right? And see, right here it says that for the one who believes in him, see, we just haven't had the right idea of who he is. And I love it. That's what I love about the songs that we're singing this morning because it's a reminder of who he is and what we have access to. And, And when we really begin to survey, what is the Father's house? What's available for me? What do I know is true? What did the cross buy? He didn't just buy back his people. He purchased a better life. And we're not, we're not accessing it. The Father's house is overflowing with goodness. We're just not laying hold of it. Mm-hmm. We know that scripture tells us that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but it's the who? It's the violent ones that lay hold of it. So it's actually going to take, that just tells me, this is going to take some action 
on my part, believe, yes, but I need to put some action behind it and get a little violent about what is actually mine. And before you start tiptoeing through the tulips, thinking that you need to be careful with like how arrogant you get, it is already yours. If you don't lay hold of it, it goes to waste. Oh, I have a story. I'm going to tell you a story. And this has everything to do with the Lord of hosts. And it has everything to do with this because angels are part of what is in the Father's house that we are supposed to be accessing and putting to use. Right? And so the, Sharon Stone was telling this story. Um, she, she, Dr. Sharon Stone, she lives in England. And um, a fiery lady. Um, she was telling a story about the first time that they visited Windsor because she's actually American and planted a church in England. And um, when she was there, they were walking down the street, and she looked at a tree, and there were these big brown moths hanging from this tree. Now, you probably need to hear her tell a story. I'm going to butcher it. Doing the best I can. Anyway, so she comes up this tree, and she's asking the lady that's with them, what are those ugly things hanging from the tree? And the lady says, oh, those are, are moths, but you should see them in their brilliance. And she said immediately, and this is where I'm unsure because I got kind of pulled into her, <laughs> her story. I, I'm unsure as to whether they actually flew off the tree at this time or if that was just kind of a, a realm that she entered into and saw. But anyway, they flew off of the tree and they were the most brilliant creatures she had ever seen. And they came into formation and flew around in a circle and then came and landed feet first in front of her and they were dressed in military clothing and their clothing was tattered and she asks who are they and God told her that these are a company of angels that were assigned to someone from years and years and years ago that were never used my point in telling you that story is there is so much stocked up for us in our Father's house in Zion that we are not accessing because we're too busy playing the false humility game. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but it's the violent ones that lay hold of it. So we can sit around and be okay with just gathering together on Sunday mornings for a few hours singing some songs together. I'm not, it's powerful. It's not enough. It's not enough. There is a whole treasure trove of goodness stored up for us to be able to advance the kingdom of God, to increase, to be part. Can you believe this? That he allows us to partner with him to increase his government? His trust in us is so much greater than I'm even capable of extending to others. You know? Okay. That was a good question. Do you actually believe that? This is a question that it goes back to all the time, and you have to ask yourself over and over again, do I actually believe this? Do I actually believe what's being said here? Do I actually believe what I'm hearing from God? If you don't, some of the things that we're talking about that you have access to, it's just going to lay dormant because you don't actually believe that you have access to it. So it's an important question to answer for yourself. Do I actually believe this? And we talked about what's available uh, from the kingdom in, in terms of like realms. 
So when you go into the city of God, you have access to these realms of, of rest, of uh, refuge, of honor, uh, communion, power, wisdom, strength, provision, healing, any fruit, any gift that you know about, you have access to these things. But do you believe it? I think it's also important to remember that we are also citizens of this city, of this kingdom, because we've been brought into the family that makes you a citizen. And so to kind of walk through belief a little bit here, citizens have access to certain things, right? Because they are citizens. And without that, you don't have full authority, full access to everything that you would require. Does that make sense? There is, there is an aspect of this to really kind of grab hold of when we talk about the city of God. We're talking about a, a universal society, right? One that is for everyone for all time. But it's hard for us to picture that because we are so separated in our cities, states, countries, uh, even continents, right? It's hard to connect with people outside because they aren't citizens. They don't carry the same culture that we do. But when we start talking about the city of God, it comes with its own culture. It has its own society. And we know that we are called ambassadors of the kingdom, right? So this is what you're carrying with you everywhere you go. And you have access to everything you need to fulfill that call as ambassadors, to fulfill that mandate. But you have to believe it first. You have to believe it. You have to understand that these are things that you carry and you, as a citizen of that kingdom, have access. You are entitled to it. I know that that word kind of has a negative connotation a lot, entitlement, but you are in fact entitled to all of the gifts and all of the realms of the kingdom. Then come, come talk. Yeah. Yes. I kind of was thinking, okay, but why don't people believe? Why don't they believe this? And this past couple weeks, God has just been showing me the enemy's greatest weapon against us is distraction. Because if he can get you distracted with not bad things, but just get you, you won't live, you'll live in the natural and you will not access the spirit. But how do you, how do you get to where you're living in the spirit? You need to fill your mind with things of the spirit. I mean, one thing I just changed for myself was you know, I started, you know, what is Jesus really saying here? So I started putting the Bible on just to hear while I was doing this, just to listen. And because God told me a few months ago, you need to get the word in your heart. I'm like, okay, how do I do that? I already, I memorized so much as a kid, but it's like, no, you need to hear it. And as I hear it, I feel like every day I can access the kingdom more than the day before, because the reality of it is like actually setting in. So if you don't believe it, 
it's because you've distracted yourself with so much, you're falling right into the enemy's plan because he can keep you powerless when you don't believe it. Or when you just are like, yeah, that's great for them grownups, but you know, or those church people, but holy cow. Okay. That's so good. That's good. So good. Hey, thanks for true. being brave. Yes. Thank you. For sure. It, it is, it is true that, that we can, we can busy ourselves with lesser things and we're falling right into the trap of the enemy. His only job is to kill, steal and destroy yeah. What's he stealing from you? You know? I mean, that's such a big question. What's he stealing from you by occupying your mind with lesser things? What's he stealing from you? And that's where it's going to start. It's going to start with stealing. He's going to steal something from you. He is going to steal your inheritance. Has. Mm-hmm. Our inheritance is the kingdom of heaven. If we are experiencing that full on every second of every day, we've been robbed, right? Zion is ours to surround ourselves with. Listen to, um, listen to this. And I'm going to read, I'm going to give you the backup here. Um, and then I'll repeat what it is that I want you to hear. Um, in Hebrews 12, 18, it says, for you have not come forward to a mountain which could be touched and which was set on fire into darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the sound of a trumpet and to the voice of words because of which those who heard entreated that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not bear that, that which was being commanded. If even a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned. And so fearful was the sight, Moses said. I am full of fear and trembling. But you have come forward to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the universal gathering, and to the church of the firstborn, who have been enrolled in the heavens and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men who have been made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, which speaks something better than that of Abel. And in, um, in the, uh, where is it? I want to read it to you in the CSB. It says, by contrast, we have already come near to God in a totally different realm. The Zion realm. Say Zion realm. For we have entered the city of the living God, which is the new Jerusalem in heaven. We have joined the festal gathering of myriads of angels in their joyous celebration. Who wouldn't want to be in the Zion realm? Right? We have come near to God in a totally different realm, the Zion realm. You guys, this is worth investigating, don't you think? We are missing out on another way of life completely. He didn't leave us here as orphans. We were to ascend with him into other realms and not in the sweet by and by and not through death as a savior now, now we were to ascend with him into the Zion realm to live from there where everything would be provided. Love it that Christy read the scripture that she did this morning because we were actually praying over that this morning that seek first Mm -hmm. 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So all the things that we are worried about, that we're consumed about on a regular basis, those things are just additions when you seek first the kingdom, because the kingdom actually has better for you than the things that you're consuming your mind with. You need a car, that's an added thing. Mm -hmm. You need a house, that's an added thing. Do you understand? You need money, it's an addition to the kingdom. We seek first the kingdom. John was just saying yesterday, he was telling Autumn, he's like, hey, honey, be careful with leaving packages out on your porch because right now, you know, people are just stealing packages. And um, if you don't want to lose it, then maybe don't leave it out there on your front door step. And, and then it, John was telling us about how um, right now, like a big thing that's going on in our nation is people are just walking into stores and walking back out with product, hundreds of dollars worth of products. We are in trouble. This is not okay. This is not okay. And I, I think it was in the Christine Kane teaching, I sent it to several of you, um, where she was talking about the scripture that says they did right in their own minds. And that's what got them in trouble. This is why we have to seek first the kingdom so we do right in righteousness rather than in our own minds. See, the, the, the systems of this world will teach us a different way of doing things. We've been talking about wisdom. Like when we lean into our own wisdom, we wrongly judge things. And when we wrongly judge things, we bring judgment down on ourselves. But when we stand in righteousness, when we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then we have access to his judgment, his way. And he's the one who says, call things that aren't as though they are. Mm -hmm. So do not judge by what your eyes see or by what your ears hear, because that's who Jesus is. Isaiah 11 tells us that, that he came and he's one who did not judge by what his eyes see or by what his ears hear, because he leaned into wisdom himself, the ancient of days. He lived from the Zion realm. And that's what we have access to. If we want it. But this is going to require us not to be lazy Christians anymore. And right. have somebody spoon feed us the word. I love it that Robin's highlighting the word because it is so important. And for those of you that were raised up in Christianity and you were good little boys and girls and memorized scripture, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not. Michael Dalton talks about scripture and the power that is still attached to scripture. And he was specifically talking about Psalms and the Psalms that David sang have victory infused in them. And when we take out scripture and we use it as a sword of victory, it still speaks. See, there's so much more in the Zion realm than we realize. And we need to get curious and start discovering what it is that is actually ours already. I'm not suggesting that you go and strive for something because how can you strive for something that's already yours? Mm -hmm. 
Distraction is such an interesting topic to talk about because if you are a triune being, spirit, soul, and body, right, then you start from the spirit. We should always be starting from the spirit. That, that should be the lead-in every time, right? So that helps you avoid distractions because if you're distracted, you're not pressing into the spirit. You're allowing the soul, your mind, your will, emotions. You're allowing uh, maybe physical pains or desires to cloud what it is that's coming through the spirit. And it, it's it's a really interesting thing that we aren't pressing in and we're being lazy Christians and allowing that to be the last resort. Trying to do everything in our own strength, our own wisdom. And so uh, you had highlighted Acts 1.6, and, and I think, I feel like this goes in, into that, and it says, so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Well, yes. That's what he was doing. Not just restoring the kingdom to Israel, but restoring the kingdom to all humanity. He brought everyone in, in that moment. But they weren't looking through spiritual eyes first. They were looking through natural eyes because they were looking for a somebody to come riding in with the sword and bring down the empire that was ruling over them, yes. that Roman empire. But had they looked back and really paid attention to the scripture that had already been written and, and what had been prophesied through Daniel, they would know what was happening in the spirit realm. And they would be able to see that. And they would be able to see that stone that was cut out without hands, crushing everything, not just the empires, but crushing sin and death. And I would even go so far as to not say crushing them, but actually annihilating them, eradicating the existence of sin and death. So it's important to remember that being of spirit, soul, and body, start spiritually first. Be looking through with your spiritual eyes first at what's going on. You're going to see what's trying to be robbed. It's going to be glaringly obvious when you start there. And you're going to be able to see solutions. Yeah, and Vitz is talking about how he didn't come. We do know how he came. This mm-hmm. was his, his, his triumphant entry was on a baby donkey. They, they didn't expect him to come like that. But when he did, they certainly felt him. Do you mm-hmm. remember how the story goes? Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! That is their response to Messiah riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. It doesn't get any more humble than this. And he's got people taking off their outer garments and throwing them on the ground because he's not worthy to even be on the ground. He's more worthy than that, right? Like you're recognizing his worth suddenly. Now, this doesn't last long. It doesn't last long. It's just, you know, very soon that they're going to reject him. This is what it says in, um, in well, John 12, 15 quotes Zechariah 9, 9. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. 
look, your king is coming riding on a donkey's colt. Hmm. They knew this ahead of time. What do you know ahead of time that you're not actually taking seriously? They knew this. These are good little Jewish people. They know scripture. Even if they were women and they weren't in part of the memorizing of the scripture, they still heard it. They knew he was coming, riding on a donkey's colt. They knew this. And here's what I want you to understand. The kingdom is not going to look the way you think it is. It's the foolish things that he's going to use to confound the wise. Do you understand? This is foolish for the king of all kings, the God of all things, to come riding on a donkey's colt. This is a foolish thing. It's the foolish things that confound the wise. If you found yourself in a stuck spot right now, a tight spot, maybe you're being squeezed. Here's, I'm going to tell you two things. Do not lean on your own understanding because it will lie to you. Mm-hmm. Your own understanding will lie to you. You have to know what is God saying about your foolish situation. Does he have intentions of revealing the unseen realm through your foolish scenario? Does he? Is he planning on confounding the wise? Why does he want to confound the wise? Why does he want to confound the wise? He wants eyes opened. He wants to reveal his kingdom to all men. All. He wants everyone to know. Our our Christianity clubs are ridiculous. He wants all men to know. He's not withholding himself from the next religion. He wants all men to know. But when those of us who do know refuse to be a foolish thing, the world can't know. Yeah. I don't know if you said it up front, but one of the things we were talking about uh, this morning was that Zion is and should remain mysterious. And one of the mysterious things that we get get to be a part of is the fact that the stone was cut out without hands. He did it for himself. On the cross, he reconciled all of creation back to himself. He did it all himself, right? But the, the cool thing about this and, and, and really exciting thing for me is that we get to partner in that. He is inviting us into partnership in carrying this out, in spreading the news of the kingdom, of what he did. You get to partner with God in filling the entire earth with his mountain, with his city, with his society. That's an invitation to you. It's another one. I want to read Psalm 24 real quick. 
The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? It's a real question. And you should probably ask yourself that question and then, more importantly, get in a space where you can ask Holy Spirit that question and see what he says to you. Okay, I'm going to go on. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? It's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Here's another opportunity for you to partner with him as the gates. You are not just opening up the gates for uh, things from the spirit realm to flow through, but you're actually opening up the gates for the king of glory to be released. Uh, Yeah, Uh, this is also from Matthew Henry. With great readiness, the doors and gates must be thrown open to him. Let the word of the Lord come into the innermost and uppermost place in our souls. And if we had 600 necks, we should bow them all to the authority of it. Isn't that good? It kind of makes you uh, uh, think that we are guards of the city as the gates. You get to partner in protecting the city. And with that, the citizens, the culture, the goods, the land, all of it. God could do all of it himself, sure. But he's inviting you into partnership there. Nope. Psalm 15 is a description of a citizen of Zion. It says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. 
He who does these things will never be shaken. So I think that the big question is, is do you consider yourself a citizen of Zion? I think that we have accidentally, just because we were raised here, we've been brought up in a nationalistic mindset. Mm -hmm. Proud to be an American, right? You heard me. Or at least I know I'm free, but the problem is, is that we're not, Mm -mm. you know? We're not. We're not free. We're not free till we have we have recognized our citizenship within the Zion realm. I love that Zion realm, the house of God, the city of our Lord. That's where freedom comes from. It doesn't come from a constitution written by man. It's not how freedom comes about. That's not real freedom. Mm -hmm. Real freedom only comes from God. Jesus is the one who purchased our freedom. But if we're not living by the constitution of heaven, there is one. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So much simpler. Right? So much simpler. But if we're not living by that, then we're not experiencing a real freedom. So what does it look like to be a citizen of Zion? Seriously, like I want you to investigate this. Don't leave here and drop off this baby before you walk out the door. Take it with you and investigate. What does it mean for me to be a citizen of heaven? What's my responsibility in it? Because there is one. You better believe that there is one. That the, the message of God is love and you're all right. It's not going to do it. You know? It's true. But there's more to it. There's a greater invitation for us to take the intel of heaven and spread it far and wide. If not you, who? What I believe is that each of us carry an expression of God that the world is in desperate need of. And we will all miss out if you refuse to move. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to do a first act as citizens of heaven. I want you to go ask somebody for money because we're going to take up an offering as citizens of heaven. If you don't have anything, ask someone. We will make sure that you have money to sow. Doesn't matter the amount. No, it doesn't. That's irrelevant. Change, if if it's just change, it's just change. Oh my gosh, you guys, when's it? While you're you're digging for money. Um, (laughs) um, Pepper had us do... an offering on Wednesday night in Topeka and she had currency from other nations and she also had American currency available for us. 
And we passed around these two little glass cups and everybody took the currency from the nations and from our own just to be able to sow into what it is that God is doing as citizens of heaven. And so that's what I want us to do. Remember, listen to me, remember the stories that are in our Bible about those who had little, but they gave it anyway. And God counts it as much to them. Remember, remember the lady, the little old lady who had nothing but a little, little tiny penny. Remember? And God said, look at her. She's extravagant. As citizens of heaven, because our God, our father is lavish. So are we. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's do this. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to sow as citizens of your realm, of your kingdom realm. God, that we are putting on our royal robes right now. We are recognizing that you are a lavish father and that we are just emulating what we see. We're just doing what it is that our father does. And we are giving lavishly, giving what we have. Father, I'm just asking that you would blow our minds. Blow our minds by the inner workings of your kingdom. How kingdom math works. Oh, you give so good, so lavishly, so much. Oh, if we were really completely open, I just know that there was no way that we could actually hold all that you have for us. And right now, I'm just asking that revelation of the kingdom realm would fall on each person listening. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to tell you a story really quick before. And make sure you ask Pepper about French fries next time you see her. But um, I, I want to tell you a, just a quick little fun, a fun story that happened on Thursday, which, you know, this was after our little giving experiment on Wednesday night. I had to go to the store, to Walmart, you know, my favorite place in the whole world. And, and I had two $20 bills for gas that were just like thrown into my purse because, you know, sometimes we're not as organized as we want to be. And so before I went in, I pulled out the money and I pulled out my wallet because I wanted to be organized in that moment. And so I put them away. I put my wallet back in my purse and I looked down and there was a $20 bill on my lap. And I was like, what in the world? I just put these away. And I thought, oh, I must have, I must have only put one in there. So I pulled my wallet back up out to put the second $20 bill in there and there were already two in there. And I promise you, I did not have three $20 bills. To you? Wait. <laughs> that, just, that just happened. Uh, I, I was digging through my purse because I'll throw tips um, in there. And I'm digging and I'm, I'm looking under everything. And I just handed Cody 
all of my money. And so I just, and then I looked down to zip up my purse and 20, a $20 bill was sitting on top. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I would have missed that sitting on top. I just turned to Jeff and go, Hey, I got a miracle 20. Oh, miracle. Forget the dimes. <laughs> we got $20 bills. <laughs> that is so fun. I love that. Ah, okay. Be blessed and multiply, people. <laughs> love you.